shout it. Come on, everyone that agrees with that prayer, shout it. I want you to give someone a high five and tell them something good is happening in you. Come on, say it like you mean it too. Now find somebody else, slap them a high five and tell them something good is happening in you. Now I want everyone to say this with me. Say something good is happening in all of us. Now if you believe that, go ahead and thank God in advance for it. Hallelujah. Man, we had a wonderful first service today, and I believe the Spirit of God will continue uh, along those lines in this service. It, it just really blessed me what I saw the Spirit of God do so easily in that first service. A couple of weeks ago, we've been talking about the Spirit-filled believer. I don't want any confusion. This is a Spirit-filled church, and we believe in the gospel from Genesis to Revelations. And so in those first three weeks, we wanted to just prove were there two separate experiences? Was there salvation and then a subsequent experience after salvation? I believe we, we proved that. Today I want to look at the spirit-filled believer, but I want to look at the initial outpouring. I want to say a couple of things around this. I think it's so important to understand what was the first thing that happened when Jesus said something would come upon them. What was the very first thing that happened? Because I think that's specific to how God wants us to live out uh, what it is that he's called us to do. Let's go back and look at Luke chapter 24, verse 49, as a opening text is where we left off at two weeks ago. Luke 24, 49, the King James Version, New King James Version says, Behold, I send the promise of my father, how? Now, don't everyone say that at the same time. I send the promise of my father how? All right, so he's not talking about something coming in you. He's talking about something coming upon you. Then he says here, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem. The word tarry means to wait. And, of course, we know a lot of our forefathers, what was birthed out of that was tarrying services, right, and tarrying for the Holy Spirit. Word tarry means to wait. But if they were really scripturally accurate, how many of y'all know we need to go to Jerusalem if we're going to be accurate according to this scripture? Because Jesus specifically told them to go to Jerusalem and tarry for the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit. Really, this was a one-time occurrence to this group of people after it manifested. How many know we no longer have to wait for it? It is here. All we need to do is receive it. All right? So he says here, but wait in the city of Jerusalem then he says some specific things here. Until you are endued. The word endued means to put on like a garment. So in other words, he's telling them to wait in Jerusalem until something comes on you like a garment. You want to pay attention to that. You're literally, it's going to come on you, not in you. And then he says, till you be endued with power from on high. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis, and it means miraculous power, ability, abundance, strength, or force. So there's going to be a garment that comes on you, and it's going to produce miraculous ability, abundance. It's like a force is going to come on you. And then notice where he says it's going to come from. Where is it coming from? On high, right? Or it's coming from heaven. But he told them to go to Jerusalem and wait on that. Now, what I want to take, my takeaway from that, for me, what I believe Jesus is saying to his disciples is, you can't empower other people until you've been first empowered. 
So, so what I'm sending you to do, you have to have it first before you can give it to other people. Can everyone see that? I mean, no, we can't give people what we don't have. So he's literally telling them to wait until you're endued with power, right? You have to be empowered before you can empower other people. Now, we're going to look through the book of Acts, and we're going to study three instances where people were filled with the Holy Spirit after salvation, right? We're gonna, we'll answer the question, how many times do we find speaking in tongues as the initial evidence for the infilling of the Holy Spirit? How many times do we find that? Now, here's what our opponents will say about this. I really pray that you learn something and you listen today because most of the world doesn't believe what I'm getting ready to share with you. And believe it or not, a lot of Christians don't believe this anymore. And what you're seeing this do is leak out of churches today because no one talks about it. It's not ministered anymore. So therefore, there's no expression of it in churches. And so what the opponents are telling you is that is this is a one-time occurrence on the day of Pentecost that happened one time for those group of believers. And what your opponents are going to tell you, and you'll read commentaries, and the commentaries will say the exact same thing is that what God did on that one day was allowed the Holy Spirit to come upon those individuals so that they could speak in the language of all of the, of the different races and nations that were present so that they could get saved. That's what people who challenge this will say to you. But we're going to read today and study today so that we will have accurate truth so that when we defend the gospel, I mean, we'll have the right information. All right, and so I want you to follow along. Don't just look at me. You're not at the movies today. Right? So many people say, I didn't get anything out of the service. Did you take any notes? Did you write down anything? Right? And if you went to school and you didn't take notes and you failed the exam, I don't think you would say it was the teacher's fault. If you didn't write down notes, guess what? And then if you don't study the notes that you write down, how will you pass the exam? Church shouldn't be entertainment. Church should be a place to come and learn. And what I'm telling you is you're getting ready to see some stuff today. I'm telling you, I just learned what I'm getting ready to share with you, where I can literally stand on this because I've been challenged so much over the years, I have to even tell you, it'll really, even a strong believer, it'll make you say, do we really need that for a strong believer? All right? So now, let's walk through here. Let's look at the day of Pentecost. And let's start at Acts chapter 1, verse 4. Let's look at the day, point number one today, the day of Pentecost. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 4 through 8. And it says, being assembled together with them, he commanded them, Jesus, not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait, from the pro wait for the promise of the Father, which he talked about in Luke chapter 24, which he said, you have heard from me. Now notice what he says, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So these are clearly two different experiences. He's talking to his disciples who already believe upon him, so he's not trying to get them saved, but he's telling them that salvation, water baptism, and baptism of the Holy Spirit are three different experiences that every believer needs. Okay, let's keep reading. Every believer should be saved. Every believer should be water baptized. Every believer should be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Three amens. Let's keep going. But he says here, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Clearly a different experience. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. But you shall receive power, dunamis, miraculous ability, abundance, right? A force will come upon you when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Now, watch this. The very first thing he says here is that you shall be witnesses. The word witnesses there means to testify, right? It could have a dual meaning because he says unto me. So, I mean, one of the first things the Holy Spirit comes on you for is to help you live a life that will be a witness and a testimony to him. I mean, a lot of people don't want to come to Christ because our life is not a witness and a testimony to him. We got to pay attention to what he said at the beginning, right? So he says here, witnesses. Now, the, the dual meaning here, I want to add something to that. How many know his highest good is getting people saved? How many know there's no greater good in the earth than snatching someone out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light? Right? And so he goes on to say that you'll be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and then to the end of the earth. So in other words, he cares about souls all around the world. All right, so what you're going to see running with this, stay with me, because we as a church did something completely different with this. What you're going to see running with this is people getting saved, people getting baptized, and people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to see in all the instances that we'll share today, it was about souls getting saved. So, folks, what we've made church is a, a bless me party. A, a place where the believers all come together to get blessed, but nobody wants to go out there and save a lost and dying world. You can see that at early morning prayer on Saturdays. If we called a, a group to just go out and street witness, I promise you, you would not see 800 people on Saturday to go out and get, help people get saved. Because what it's become is become about coming to church and not doing the work of the kingdom. He didn't put the Holy Spirit on us to run around churches and have bless me clubs. He put it on us to save a lost and dying world. Now, let's examine this together today. Go to Acts chapter 2, and let's begin reading at verse 1. Now, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, now you got to understand, the day of Pentecost was a feast or a festival where all of the different Jews from all different nations would all come together for this large festival. So that's their purpose for being in Jerusalem. Now, how many of y'all know God cares about every person coming to Jerusalem for this festival? But he cares for them for a greater reason than really, I think, what we're reading on the surface. He says, so when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord and in one place. And suddenly, I love those suddenly. Has anybody had a suddenly since the last time we talked about that? I'm telling you, man, I, I believe I got one coming this week. Matter of fact, that's not faith. I believe I got one coming now. And so suddenly there came a sound from heaven 
as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them divers' tongues as a fire. Watch this now. And one set upon each of them. One set upon each of them. So notice, whatever is coming into this room is for everyone and not just the few. Is that an accurate observation? So the Holy Spirit rushes in like a mighty wind. There appears uh, uh, different kinds, divided tongues as a fire, and one set upon each of them. Watch this now. And some of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Is that what it says? What does it say there? And all of them were filled with the what? Okay, now pay attention or you're going to miss something here. So one set upon each of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then what happens? And began to speak with other tongues. As the Spirit gave them utterance. So let's look at verse 4 carefully. The understood subject in verse 4 is they. Right? Right? And is a conjunction word. Right? So we can look at this. They began to speak. I want to bring that out today because the Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's not getting ready to jump on you and attack you and throw you down and make you spit. Make you all out of control, knocking over chairs. Hello, somebody. It's not going to do that. Notice, they began to speak. So notice then, they had to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. They had to yield to the Holy Spirit. They had to yield their voice and their vocal cords and their lungs to the Holy Spirit as he came upon them. And then notice it says, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now that word tongues there, this is what people do, is glossa, and it literally means language naturally unacquired and so what the opponents of this will tell you is that what happened in that moment is that the Holy Spirit came on them and then graced them with a language so that the uh, people unbelieving Jews that were in the audience could literally they could speak their language for the purpose of getting them saved how many of y'all have ever heard that before raise your hand look all around the room all right we're going to challenge that today and we're going to argue that point today and I believe I have the answer for you okay now Notice it says, in the word here, uh, utterance uh, in the Greek means to enunciate plainly. It means to declare. It means to speak forth. Other commentaries or translations says, then the Holy Spirit gave them the manner or style by which they spoke. So in other words, they yielded, they cooperated, and they began to speak. Just like if I ask you your name, you cannot tell me your name without cooperating, yielding your voice, your vocal cords, and your lungs to tell me your name. Is that accurate? So what I want you to know is nothing's going to come on you and force you to do anything. You have to cooperate that and yield your tongue and your voice and your utterance. And the Holy Spirit is going to give you the manner or the style by which you speak. But your opponents are going to tell you that what happened here, they took that Greek word language there, and they're going to interpret that this way, that the Holy Spirit came on them to give this. not a speaking in tongues. It is the actual language of the people that are present in that audience so that God could get them saved. All right? Let's keep reading. We'll challenge that today. So now, if you'll notice, look at verse 5. 
This is not in your notes, right? And so follow along. I'm going to give you something a, a little extra today. Oh, I'm in Proverbs. Let me get over there. Acts chapter 2. It's not in your notes. <clears throat> All right, Acts chapter 2. Let's pick it up at verse 5. It says, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem. Now, this is the crowd's response, right? This is what theologians, how many know it takes a good theologian to confuse a whole lot of people, <laughs> right? This is the crowd's response. Watch this. And then, or, and they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven, or ethnos, or race under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitudes came together and were confused. Now, here's your opponents. They're going to tell you that God would never do anything to confuse people. How many know it didn't say God was confused, and it didn't say the people were confused? I'm talking about the disciples. The people in the audience are the ones that are confused. Now, let's just talk this through for a minute. How many know the first time you hear anything, it's going to throw you off a little bit? Would everyone in here agree with that? Then as you get more understanding, how I many know the confusion begins to leave? So let's keep reading. I pray that you, you stay along. You'll never be able to defend this. People will, will talk you out of what you believe if you don't follow along today. I'm telling you, as a believer, I was challenged over the years and literally may have said, maybe we don't need that. Maybe it doesn't take all of that. Because these theologians, they'll throw all these angles at you Right? Well, let's read together. We're going to learn something together today. All right? Then I've done something else. First time the Holy Spirit gave this to me. You, what I learned in Bible school is you cannot form doctrine if there are not two or three witnesses. But yet it's doctrine if the content of the witnesses is the same content. So in other words, I cannot go to another verse and it's not confirming or it's not agreeable to the same content that I came from. I can't go pull something from a different context that sounds like where I just read from and then make doctrine out of that. The two have to be agreeable. And for the first time in my life, folks, I've literally found in the scripture where what I'm getting ready to read to you is agreeable somewhere else. Okay, let's keep reading. So now, when this sound occurred, the multitudes came together. They were confused because everyone, now these people are telling you themselves, so we don't need to speak for them. These people were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Notice what it didn't say, right? I learned a lot by looking at what it didn't say. It didn't say when they came together, they heard them speak, in, well, that the disciples were speaking in their language. It's not what it said, did it? It said they heard them speak in their own language. It did not say the disciples were speaking in their language. How many of y'all know there's a difference? All right, stay with me now. Let's let the people tell you for themselves and not the theologians. The people who were there will tell you for themselves. And listen to what they said. We heard them speaking in our language. They did not say they were speaking in our language. Is that accurate? Hell, okay, and challenge a lot of stuff. We, we really stay with me, okay? Let's keep going. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all these who speak Galileans? 
And how is it, listen, they will tell their own story. How is it that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Did not say they were speaking in their own language. Said they heard them in their own language. So what we're seeing manifest is that the people got filled. They're speaking in other tongues. And what God is doing is supernaturally allowing them to hear it in their own tongue. For what purpose? Because he wants all of them saved. Let's, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. All right. How is it then that we hear each in our own language in which we were born? Then look at, look at all of the different nations here. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Pergia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs. Listen to what they said. Let them speak for themselves. We hear them speaking in our own tongues. Listen, the wondrous works of God. They did not say that they're speaking in our language. They said we hear them. Everybody clear? Because your opponents, this is where they're going to get you if you don't read and study this. All right? So now, so they were all amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said they are full of new wine. I mean, they were full of new wine, but it wasn't the wine they were thinking about. Come on, do I have anybody in here full of some new Holy Ghost wine in here today? All right, let's keep reading, though. Now, for time's sake, Peter begins to preach in verse 14. And he begins to preach from Genesis almost to Revelation, Genesis to Jesus. And he begins to stand up and he begins to tell them that this was, is what was spoken by the prophet Joel, that in the last days I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, not some flesh, but all flesh. And he begins to, to really preach to this entire crowd. Drop down to verse 38, and then you'll notice in verse 38, Peter says of these words that are so famous in all our churches around the world today. Then Peter said to them, Repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission or the removal of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So notice he tells them to repent, right? Or in other words, believe. Right? Get baptized with the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and your children and to all of those who are far off, as many as our Lord, our God, will call. Now, just for time's sakes, and then, of course, later on in verse 41, 42, the Scripture tells us that 3,000 souls were added to the kingdom. So then, would that tell us then that whole event was about those 3,000 souls? Or was it about some service where just believers come together to see God do something? <laughs> it's about souls. What did we make it into? Folks, this must become a soul-winning church. If it's just about crowds, we're doing nothing. If it's just so to say our building, look at how many people, look at the attendance numbers. We're doing nothing if we're not getting Powder Springs saved. 
I need a little bit better amen in this place today. All right? Then if you read the rest of that, which is really when I was 22 years old, this is what God told me how I would pastor a church, and it's been burning in my heart for the last 30 years. Right? They continued daily in the temple from house to house, breaking bread. How many know that's called small groups? Thanks for all that enthusiasm. Right? <laughs> Scripture says serving the Lord daily. How many know that's called dream team? Serve projects. Every member should be in one of those too. But today, see, we don't want all that. It says, then the believers were together and they had all things common. Neither any man said that the things that he possessed was his own. But they distributed that according to every, according to as every man had need. Folks, linked up church is not called to be a pretty building in Powder Springs. Linked up church is not called so people can drive up and down 278 and say, look at that building over there. Linked up church, folks, does not exist. See, church has been backwards, folks. You don't exist for this church. This church exists for you. God didn't call this church to be pretty in Powder Springs. He called this church to save Powder Springs. We are the answer to every need Powder Springs has. Every poverty need, every homeless need, every dilapidated property need, every closed down building need, every shelter need. We are the answer. For what purpose? To get people saved. Folks, we shouldn't rest until we meet every need in Powder Springs. And then once we meet every need in Powder Springs, let's spread it. How many of y'all ready to go on that journey? Let's keep traveling. Now, let's look at Cornelius and his household. Point number two. Here's the confirmation of the statement that I just made earlier. And I've got to read slowly so that you can see the content and you can see it's in the same context. All right? So follow along. Let's look at Cornelius and his household. Let me also make this observation. This is 10 years after the day of Pentecost. So the opponents who tell you that was a one-day event, what I'm getting ready to read to you is 10 years later, and I want, to see, I want you to see some of the same characters that were there on the day of Pentecost are here 10 years later and pay attention to what they say. How I many know we should let them tell their own story and not the theologians? Ten years after the day of Pentecost, we're going to look at the household of Cornelius, who was a devout Roman centurion. He was saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's begin reading at verse 1, Acts chapter 10. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. A devout man, one who feared God with all of his household, who gave alms generously to the people, and he prayed to God always. I mean, that's a good trifecta right there, to fear God, to pray, and to be a giver. I mean, I believe that's a good trifecta. This is a man that loved God, but he did not know Jesus. And in our world today, you have a lot of people that will acknowledge God, but they deny Jesus. 
So he's a devout man. He loves God. He prays always, right? And he's a big-time giver. Verse 3, about the ninth hour, which was 3 p.m. of the day, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. Now, what was the foundation for an angel appearing to him? He had a strong prayer life, right? 3 o'clock, he was going to pray, not post. Hello? He didn't have a great post life. He had a great what? Prayer life. Then an angel shows up. How many know you're not going to get an angel to show up and supernaturally change your life without a prayer life? Let's keep reading here, right? Angel came in saying to him, Cornelius, verse 4. We have observed him, and he was afraid, and he said, watch this. What is it, Lord? Remember that language with Paul? What is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your arms, your arms, I'm sorry. He said, your post have come up as a memorial before me. Folks, I believe we would have some powerful, spirit-filled believers if we just prayed as much as we posted. Boy, if we spent as much time in prayer as we did on social media, the church would be a powerful agent in the earth today. So he says, your post and your arms have come up as a memorial before God. No, your prayers. Now send men to Joppa and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. Listen to how specific the angel and the Holy Spirit is. He is lodging with Simon, a tanner, whose house is by the sea. He will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near to the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, which is 12 noon. Peter went up on the housetop to post. Hello? What did he go up on the housetop to do? What did he go up on the housetop to do? No, he went up on the housetop to post. What did he go up on the housetop to do? All right, let's keep reading. So he goes up on the housetop to pray. What verse am I in? Which one? Just making sure you're paying attention. Look at verse 10. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready, he fell into a trance. Now, a trance is, is like a state of ecstasy, if you look that up. And so all of us have probably had this experience where our eyes were open. It looks like we're looking, but we're not there. Right? It's called an open vision. Right? You ever had anyone say, snap out of it? What were you thinking about? You were lost there for a minute. Anybody ever been there? Right? We've all been there before. But let me just warn you all. You don't want to follow a trance if you have not been praying. There's a lot of people out here following visions with no prayer life. I would warn you today, if you don't have a prayer life, don't follow visions, follow the Word of God. A lot of people saying, God told me to do this. This is my husband. This is my wife. He told me blah, 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 blah. And where is it at today? I would say that was a trance. 
but it probably wasn't the right kind of training. How I many I know uh, 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 single guys? Uh, I mean, there's some women that'll put you in a trance now, but it won't be the right kind of trance. Come on, ladies, don't look at me like that. You know there's some fellas out there, they'll put you in a trance, but it's not the right kind of trance. I would say don't follow it if you have not been in prayer. You might have ate too much pizza last night. All right, let's keep reading. And he saw heaven open in an object like a great sheet bound at the four corners, descending to him and let down to the earth. And it were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, creeping things, and birds of the air. And a voice came to him, Rise, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I am a racist, and I have never eaten anything common or unclean. How I many of y'all know that's what's happening right there? Folks, God is not racist. People are racist. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, he'll eradicate racism. Folks, I don't know if I ever told you this before, but heaven will not be segregated. There will not be a white side to heaven. There will not be a black side to heaven. There will not be an Hispanic side to heaven. But all people will be together worshiping one God, going around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lamb of God. Folks, if it's going to be like that in heaven, we need to start practicing right down here on earth. I do not want a black church. I want a church that reflects heaven, that looks like all of God's people. We need to start hiring people that don't look like us. We need people on our praise team that don't look like us. We need people serving all around our building who don't look like us. We need to go out to dinner together and have the tough discussions and learn how to cross the bridge and cross the table and learn how to get along. We can't have one style of music every single week. We've got to have diversity in our music. Hello! Because God hates racism. And he has to deal with the racism in Peter so that Peter can minister to other people who don't look like him. So I challenge every one of you all, including myself, if you don't have any other friends who don't look like you, there's probably something going on in your heart. And all of us, I'm talking to myself, need to work on this. And we need to cross this bridge and have these conversations. Peter says, not so, Lord, for I have never eaten anything common or unclean. Or in other words, I've never had anything to do with anyone who's not a Jew. And a voice spoke to him again a second time. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times, and then the object was taken up into heaven. Now, while Peter, now Peter's going to tell you about himself. Now, Peter, while Peter wondered within himself what this, vision, uh, what this vision meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men who are not like you are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down 
and go with them, doubting nothing. Because see, Peter wouldn't have went. Hello? See, will you invite other people to your home? And will you go to other homes that you're invited to if they don't look like you? You know, do I make decisions about a church based off of the color of the skin of the pastor? You know how I many people I've heard say, man, it's a good church, but not a lot of people who look like me. Well, you're the one that God wants to use to change that. I mean, if we keep running from the problem, we'll never fix the problem. I never forget a person who's a member of our church. He said he wasn't going to join the church. And this just blessed my heart. And then he said he had to ask himself the question. The only reason I wouldn't join this church is because it's not a, people, a lot of people who look like me. And then he answered it this way. He said, and that's not a God reason to not join the church. Let's keep going. How many of y'all glad you came to church today? All right, let's keep reading. <clears throat> says behold three men are seeking you Peter who don't look like you arise therefore go down and go with them doubting nothing for I have sent them then Peter went down to the men who had been sent uh, to him from Cornelius watch this watch what he says and he said yes I am whom you seek for what reason have you come see he already how many of y'all know he's struggling right now <laughs> and they said Cornelius the centurion a just man one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews was divinely instructed by an holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them. And on the next day, Peter went away with them and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. Now we need to pay very close attention. Some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. What I'm going to put out here for you today that these brothers from Joppa are the same, are part of the same group that was with him in Jerusalem. And I want you to listen very carefully to what they say. I'm telling you, I just learned this. I asked God, I said, I need something I can put both my feet on. Okay, watch this. Let's keep reading because the scripture will interpret itself. I don't need a theologian. I don't think God made this deep for us. He made it simple so that even a child could understand it. Let's keep reading it. So Peter was coming in. Well, let's back up. And the following day they entered into Caesarea, verse 24. And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them, and he called together all his relatives and his close friends. How I many know you don't call together all your relatives and close friends unless you think something's getting ready to happen? Right? Because usually whatever happened to you, you want to happen to the people you love the most. Would everyone in here agree with that? All right, let's keep reading. So as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and worshiped him. But Peter lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. Listen, folks, whenever God uses you to do something, don't let people worship you. And if God uses you to do something, don't make it about you. Make it about God. It's where a lot of men and women have gotten themselves in trouble allowing the people to worship them. You need to make sure that everybody is clear. There's only one person to be worshipped, and his name is God, and his son is Jesus. 
And you've got to learn how to deflect that stuff. When folks start, oh, man of God, you're a mighty man of God. No, God's a mighty man of God that just happens to use me from time to time. You just stay right in the middle of the road. So if the people are praising you, praise God. Or if they're criticizing you, praise God. You can't get too high when they're praising you. You can't get too low when they're criticizing you. Because, folks, I've got news for you. The same group that praised you will circle right back around and criticize you. You can't let that move you one way or the other. They will tell you one day, I will die for you. I will take a bullet for you. And the very next day, will take out their own gun and try to shoot you. You can't get moved by that. Never let people worship you. Verse 22, but Peter lifted, up, lifted him up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. And as he talked with them, he went in and found many who had come together. Then he said to them, you know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with any of these people of another nation. I mean, no, he's struggling right now. I mean, that's how he's saying it. It's unlawful. God's got to uproot that racism out of you. God's got to uproot racism out of this church. Listen to me, folks. The world will never solve its own racism problem. It takes the Holy Spirit to solve racism. The reality is my kids may marry someone that don't look like us, and that's okay. As long as they're saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, they can marry whoever they want to. But I am going to grab them by the necks. Let me hear you pray in other tongues. Pray in other tongues. Then I'm going to throw them down. See it. Let me hear you see it. Okay, okay, you're good. You're good. You're good. How many of y'all know that's the attitude that Peter's speaking with right now? You know how unlaw unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company or to go to one of another nation, see, of another race. We don't do that. Here's, here's what has to happen. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked, then for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. I was posting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I posted again to see if I'd get more likes this time. And in my house, and behold, a bed stood before me in a bright clothing. See, if you weren't praying, that's a pimp suit he had on. <laughs> How many of you know Satan is sending the wrong people in your life? And you'll mistake it for God. It's a shiny suit, but it ain't the right shiny suit. It's a shiny suit with some big block gaiters on and a hat on. <laughs> Talking about say, say, say now. <laughs> What's good with you? <laughs> you see me. <laughs> see, posting too much and make you see the wrong people. 
praying to help you see the right people. Come on, do I have any prayer warriors in this place today? Huh? All right, let's keep reading. What verse did I leave off at? Verse 31, and he said, Cornelius, your posts have been heard, and your alms I remembered in the sight of God. No, your prayers and your giving has been remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging. Look how accurate the Holy Spirit is. He's lodging in the house of Simon. This is how Peter knows this God. A tanner by the sea, when he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things he commanded or have that, that have been commanded to you by God. Then Peter opened his mouth, and he said, Of a truth I perceive that God shows no racism. But in every race, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is Lord of all. That word you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea, began at Galilee after the baptism which John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, who they killed by hanging on a tree. Him God raised on the third day and showed him openly. And to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before God, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. And he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who has ordained or that was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him and receives remission of sins. Notice, whoever believes in him gets his sins forgiven. That's salvation. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Ghost fell how? Upon all those who heard the word. Now watch this very carefully. This is what you'll need to defend what you believe. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. As many as came with Peter, so these are all of the people who traveled with Peter from Jerusalem. Listen to what they say. Let's let them tell their own story. Your opponents will tell you this was a one-time phenomenon that happened on the day of Pentecost. Never happened that way again. I'm challenging that today to say that what we're getting ready to read is the exact same experience that happened on the day of Pentecost, and the people who are there are going to tell us. Let's keep reading. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. I mean, they are blown away. As many as came with Peter... Because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. How I many know oh, they would not use that word also if they're not referring to something that happened to them? Is that accurate? Okay, let's keep reading here. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answered, so clearly now they're saved, they're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then Peter says, well, hold on. Then can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? So notice, it was important to get them saved, important to get them filled with the Holy Spirit, 
How did they know they were filled with the Holy Spirit? Because they heard them speak in other tongues. Now, is there anything that should forbid them from being water baptized? Folks, I'm telling you, how many of y'all have never been water baptized before? Every person who is a believer needs to be saved, needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and needs to be water baptized. If you've never done that before, we're going to have a big water baptism service on a night of freedom. You can go right into your YouVersion Bible app and register, or you can go out into the information desk after service and register for that. I'm believing God to baptize 30-plus people on that day. In Jesus' name. Right? Maybe you come from my background. I was raised Catholicism. We were not Catholics, but we were taught catechism, Catholicism, all kind of stuff. Right? And so I was water baptized at the age of 12 where the, uh, the, the priest put the scepter in the basin and filled it with water, and he sprinkled all of us little boys. When I became an adult, I realized that water baptism is a full submergence into the water. So once I was able and old enough to understand that, at the age of 22, I was water baptized the biblically correct way. And so if that's your background or your story, just register. We're going to get you all taken care of. Let's keep reading. So it says, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? Watch this. Who have received the Holy Spirit, listen to what they said, just as we have. That is Peter speaking, who was in the original group. And he said they received it the same way we did. So clearly it was not some one-time phenomenon. And it clearly wasn't the Holy Spirit coming on them to speak the language of the people so that they could be saved. And the people told you that's not what they did. They didn't say they spoke in our language. They said we heard them speaking in our language. Now, 10 years later, we have Peter and others who were in Jerusalem saying they just received it the same way that we did. How did they know they received it? Because they heard them speak with other tongues. Is that accurate? Everyone agree with everything you've heard up to this point? Raise your hand if you're, you... Is there anyone challenged with anything that you've heard up to this point? All right, how many of y'all are hearing this for the first time, this kind of information for the first time? Look at all those hands all around the room, okay? And I want you to know you're okay. You're in the right place. You probably qualify, and we'll close here. Go to point number three. Let's look at the disciples of Ephesus. You would meet this criteria right here, okay? The disciples of Ephesus... I'm telling you what the Holy Spirit is dealing with me about. If we don't keep this in the church, the church is going to lose its power. And the rainbow agenda and every other agenda is going to gain power. We cannot save the world. We cannot empower them until we've first been empowered. You can't change anybody until you've first been changed. You can't act like somebody and then tell them they need what you have. All right? So if you raised your hand, I want you to listen very carefully because you're in this next description. Let's look at the disciples at Ephesus. This is the last recorded instance where people received the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 19, let's begin reading at verse 1. It says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth, that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus and finding some disciples. Well, what is a disciple? A disciple is a follower of Christ, a student of Christ. Does everyone agree with that? So can we all acknowledge, based off of what we read to this point, these are already believers? 
Is that accurate? All right, let's keep reading. So having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? King James Version says, did you receive the Holy Spirit since you believed? So I mean, no, he's not asking them, are they saved? They're already saved, right? This is what most people believe. I'm saved. I already have the Holy Spirit on the inside of me. These are already disciples. Why is Paul asking them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you've been saved, since you believe? Well, let's keep reading. So he says to them, notice their answer there. He says to them, have you, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Then they said to him, we have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. How many of y'all know that's okay? Because what I'm telling you is if, if it's not taught, the people will never get it. And, and I'm telling you, you don't hear this in churches anymore. Everything is pretty much just feel good about what you're doing. God loves you. And I'm telling you, there's still a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. I'm telling you, if you live in sin, you will bust hell wide open. But you know why pastors are scared to say that today? Because people are going to stop coming to their church. They won't feel good stuff tickle me stuff I'm telling you my job is to give you truth and if me giving you the truth causes you not to like me I'm okay with that because I've got to stand before God someday right? and you be wise to learn how to live your life for an audience of one and stop all this people pleasing and wanting everybody to like you. Because I got news for you. Everybody's never going to like you. So at least they should not like you for doing the right thing. All right. So now. So they said, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said to them, into them, what were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Paul didn't refute that. He said, Paul said, John indeed baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying... To the people that they would believe on him who would come after him that is on Christ Jesus when they heard this they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus and when Paul had laid hands on them the Holy Spirit came upon them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied and there were about 12 people in all so all 12 of them got filled how many know Christ didn't make this difficult how many know God didn't make this difficult so these were people who were saved. They just didn't know that there was something else that they needed. They didn't know that in addition to the Holy Spirit living in them, they needed something on them. How many of y'all would say you fit that description today? You, you're a person that you're saved, but you didn't know about this, this subsequent experience. Raise your hand if, if you fit that description. It's okay. We love you today. All right, this is what I want to do today. Every person that came down in the first service today got filled. So if you're here today and you're saved, but you just want the Holy Spirit on you, you want some power on you, you want to be empowered so that you can empower other people, would you just come on down here now? Everybody just stand to their feet. If you meet that description, just come on down here right now. You're saved, but you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. You've never prayed in other tongues. 
And I want you all to do me a favor. I want believers to just pray real gently right where you're at. I want you to pray in other tongues for these individuals right around your seats. Just begin to pray in the spirit right around your seat, right? If you're a person that you're standing there right now and you cannot pray in other tongues, it's an indication that you're probably not filled, okay? And so if that's you today, this is new information to you, but yet you've seen enough in the Word of God that you know that God wants you to have this. Just come on down here right now. Believers praying all around the room. Let me tell you, it's a lot of work. To, Satan fights this extremely hard. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my sister. Just come on down. Come on down. Believers praying all around the room. Just praying in other tongues very gently. Thank you, my sister. Thank you, my sister. Your person, you raised your hand. You said, I'm saved, Pastor, but I've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. I've never prayed in other tongues. Remember, Paul asked that question for a reason. He said, have you all received the Holy Spirit since you've been saved? Have you? And they said, we haven't even heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. He laid his hands on them, and they all began to speak in other tongues. Just come on down. So we saw a lot of different ways. Some received it by having hands laid on them. Others received it as the word of God was spoken. It just fell on them, right? It's real simple. It's just a matter of asking, and you will receive. Believers, pray all around the room. Just pray in your, your heavenly language right now. Pray in other tongues. And if you're just standing there and you can't do anything, it's an indication that you don't have it. I'm encouraging you today to come and get it. Who else is that? Risers are on the floor. Who else is that? You're saved, but you've never spoke. You've never prayed in other tongues. Come on down here now. I release you now in the name of Jesus. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. Thank you, my brother. Come on, believers. Pray around the room. Don't spectate. Help me. Labor with me right now. Come on, bring your supply of the Spirit. This is not easy. There's an enemy out here that fights hard against it. Thank you for your obedience today. I know that there are many more people in here. There were many more hands that went up, right? Believers praying all around the room, just praying in other tongues right where you're standing right now. If you're a person that you're just standing there looking at me. You can't do anything. It's an indication that you don't have it. Obey God right now. You saw it in the Word of God for yourself. Come and receive everything that God wants you to have. Come on down here now in Jesus' name. All right, I'm going to move this service along. Everyone that's standing up here right now, I want you to look at me for a moment. Every person in the first service received. This is the easiest thing that you will ever do in your life. God is a father. So if you ask him for something that he knows is good for you, how many know he's going to give it to you? He's going to give it to you, okay? And so remember what we talked about today. You have to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. If you just stand there and do nothing, nothing is going to happen. Nothing's getting ready to come over you and overtake your body and make you do something or force you to do something. What is your name, young man? What's your name? Jeremiah. Jeremiah. You see how, Jeremiah, you yielded your vocal cords, you yielded your lungs, right? And you said your name. It's not going to be any different right here. You're going to speak and begin to speak with other tongues. The Spirit is going to give you the manner or style by which you speak. But you've got to cooperate that. You cannot speak in English and tongues at the same time. So don't stand there and say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Don't do that. Just listen to your spirit and begin to let words utter out of your mouth as the Holy Spirit falls on you today, okay? I want you to lift one or both hands towards heaven right now. And I just want you to say this with me. Say, Father God, I ask you to fill me with the Holy Spirit 
with the Bible evidence of speaking in other tongues, I receive that gift now in Jesus' name. Now begin to release what's in your